iTunes presents Meet the Filmmaker at the Apple Store. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Apple Store Soho. How is everybody doing on this fine, fine summer evening? I'm going to require just a little bit more energy than that. How's everybody doing on this wonderful summer evening? Thank you, thank you. That's all I'm looking for. That's all I'm looking for. Wonderful. Guys, we're really excited to bring our guest out. We're going to do it in just a minute. But first, I just want to invite you to enjoy a nice clip from David Cross' upcoming comedy special, Bigger and Blacker. Bible is how antiquated all the things that are supposed to take place in the future are already. How all the prophecies, how completely antiquated they are. Because, you know, when the, when the Bible was uh, written and then rewritten, and then edited, and re-edited, and then translated from dead languages, and then re-retranslated, and then re-edited, and then re-re-re-edited, and then re-translated, and then uh, given to kings for them to take their favorite parts out, and then re-edited, and then re-translated, and then re-edited, and then given to the Pope for him to approve, and then re-retranslated, then re-rewritten, then re-written, re-edited, re-translated, re-edited again, all based on stories that were told orally 30 to 90 years after they happened, to people who didn't know how to write. <laughs> so... I guess what I'm saying is the Bible is literally the world's oldest game of telephone. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome David Cross and tonight's guest moderator, Donna Friedkin of USA Today. Hi. Hello, uh, and thanks for coming down. Uh, and I apologize uh, in advance for... Uh, the nasally out of it, uh, but man, allergies. Yeah, they're pretty allergies. brutal, huh? Oh, brutal. Claritin. And, uh, but I would like to thank Global Warming for this delicious midsummer outfit <laughs> in, in early April. Nice. So let's talk about your special. All right. Why did you, why? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, why do you do what you do? What the fuck kind of question is that? What? All right. Uh, it, uh, I actually hadn't done anything in a long time, um, or, you know, toured, I guess. I'd been doing a bunch of one-off stuff and friend shows and benefits and music festivals and comedy festivals and things like that. And I had accrued a, enough material to warrant going out and doing a, a tour. And, I, and that actually occurred to me uh, after, um, I can't wait for what the caption is going to be for this. Uh, and that occurred to me after I had a book come out and the, the promo, I went to the marketing meeting of, at the publishing company and their, uh, their promotion plan for my book was literally, this was it. It was a signing at the Borders in Columbus Circle and then going on Good Morning America and The View. And they were psyched. <laughs> they thought that was fucking awesome. You go on The View and... Uh, That's really original, by and, the way. And just... Yeah. Uh, it really would be the opposite of what would be effective. Yeah. Uh, and um, so I decided, well, why don't I put, put a tour together? I haven't been out, you know, pretty much what I just said. And uh, I'll do like a book signing tour thing of theaters. I'd never done a tour of theaters. And it was really, 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 really fun. And very quickly, um, 
not that I thought it would, wouldn't be good, but I just didn't stop to think about how much fun it would be and how uh, successful it would be. And, and, uh, and early on, I thought, well, maybe I should tape this. So I called my friend Lance Bangs, who makes uh, documentaries and movies and stuff. And he met me up in Boston, because I had two shows there. There were a couple places that I had two shows a night. And we, I paid him out of my pocket and shot the shows and then uh, sold it to Epics like that. It was, it was super quick, and it was really cool. And a, and a great way to do this, as opposed to going to HBO, mm. going, can I do a special maybe next year or two, and then you can own everything forever? And uh, this is, I'm telling you, this is the way of the future. It's, uh, it's great. It was a great, the way it worked out was really good. Was the process, I mean, was it great for you more because it was organic, or just, just because the, the way it flowed, or, or why? Well, there, uh, it would be disingenuous to say it was organic, because there was some uh, high fructose corn syrup added. <laughs> I mean, you don't see it in that clip, but you'll see it. There's another clip, I'm pretty sure, if you're, uh, where it's added. And uh, everybody, um, you know, the seats in the theater where we shot, were, uh, there were synthetic fabrics and stuff like that. So uh, I can't, as much as I'd love to say, yeah, man, we did, we did a solid for the earth. We didn't. Um, but uh, no, it, what, I, what I meant by that was there was no... Uh, there were a lot less steps that you had to take, that one would have to take if they were trying to get a special up on uh, HBO, Comedy Central, or you know, who, wherever. Um, and the, I approached it the opposite way, where I, I shot the show, and then I sold that show. I didn't have to take notes. I didn't have, you know, they didn't, uh, the only thing, the only negative, uh, which is a, a fine trade-off for me, I don't care, is that, you know, you don't get the huge, uh, marketing splash that HBO would have. But, you know, the thing exists forever. I own it. Um, they gave me a great deal. I shot it uh, as opposed to uh, paying a production company and uh, all this stuff that isn't necessary where, you know, it costs $200,000 to shoot it and that's what they bill you and take out of your final thing. And uh, I just, you know, I paid Lance. I asked him how much would it cost to shoot. He told me. I paid him. We shot it. Edited it together. Now it's on TV. How did you find the kid that was the, I don't want to say the opening act, but I guess did the intro? Um, we did that in uh, uh, every city. It was an idea I had. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that's not in the special that will, you will be able to see on when the DVD comes out. Uh, because uh, for obvious reasons, the, the special is, fills a like 57 or 56 and a half minute, minute time slot in Epix's programming. Uh, but the entirety of the show is probably you know, an hour and 45 minutes, whatever. And uh, so there's a lot of stuff that'll be, you know, and extras on the DVD, but... Oh, wait, the kid is in this special, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, right, yeah. sorry. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, we just put the call out for, for kids who would be willing to say, you know, filthy language. Uh, and everyone was shocked except for me at how willing kids, they, I mean, parents lining up, oh, he'll, he's, of course, he'll yeah. say worse than that if you want him to. He'll set himself on fire. Yeah, oh, it's so, he's been rehearsing with me, and he calls me cunt now, and it's wonderful, <laughs> you know, there, no, no lack of stage mom and dads all across the country. So we did, we, in every place we went, mm -hmm. um, uh, we had a kid there, and then this, when we, when we knew we were going to tape, uh, I can't remember where this kid's from, I think he's from Milwaukee, but he was 
the best of everybody, uh, all the kids we had used. So I didn't want to risk it with a new kid. So we flew him and his folks out mm -hmm. from, I think it was Milwaukee or Portland or something. Awesome. Now, I read that you've been doing stand-up since before you were even 18. How do you crew your material? <laughs> that would be 17. Last year. <laughs> that would be 17, yes. <laughs> and it was really at the tail end of 17. But so really, since you were yeah, 18. I'll, we'll round it up. Uh, yes. How do you, for, for, for a tour like this, how do you crew material? Well, it, it's, uh, as I said before, it, I've never, I'm not a good writer. I don't, uh, I, I, I just don't think that way. I don't work that way. I can't sit down and write jokes and, or go, what can I write about, uh, you know, uh, women's fashions today or anything. I, it's all just stuff that's accrued that I, I think of it and then I jot it down. I go and work out the set uh, very informally at some, you know, some place, you know, in the back of a bar, one of those alternative shows or a festival or some, one, some whatever the thing is. And, uh, and then it's just a matter of what stays and what sticks. And, oh, I like that bit. And, and then you kind of uh, uh, edit it, tailor it, I guess. And, uh, and then you just, after, I mean, again, I hadn't been out on tour for almost five years. So that was close to five years of just dicking around. And I was able to get a lot of stuff just that way. And plus, when you go out on tour, you really start um, riffing within bits and, uh, mm -hmm. and bits take different shapes. So, uh, you know, add another 15 minutes. Um, but yeah, I've never, I've never sat and gotten material ready for a tour. Yeah. I always wonder about that. Like whether you kind of like make mental notes as you're walking down the street or, you know, just how people, that's just my own personal curiosity. So now, you know, now I know, now I know the deep, dark secret. It's, uh, well, if you didn't think it was that, what did you think it was? I don't know. Yeah, because you'll see, you'll think it'll occur to you, and then I'll, yeah. Hey now. <laughs> All right, Jesus. So what didn't make it in the special? I, I don't remember. You don't remember? Uh, I mean, there's, uh, there's. Uh, I know I tried to keep it very balanced, mm -hmm. uh, and that was. The only thing I really looked at when I was cutting it down um, was to make it not seem too light or too heavy. And I thought the show itself, the, the show in the theater, was, was really well balanced. We, uh, I don't want to give too much away, but there are, we had plants at various points that would speak up and they were, you know, it turned into a little bit here and there. And so the, the and then there was about, a, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes on religion, but then there's tons of like really silly stuff that's just absurdist stand-up stuff, and uh, um, and some topical stuff, and some uh, uh, more just personal stuff. And I I, I did uh, in the final show try to keep it like where it's not too much of one thing, and uh, um, it flows nicely. Like there's. As much as I like the religious stuff and the stuff about the uh, uh, Tea Party parades, uh, I you can't put all that stuff yeah. in there. Just especially because you only have like fifty-seven minutes. So um, I can't remember what. Just a lot of little stuff, some bigger things. One of these, two of those. <laughs> Do you instantly know when something is working? I mean, can you survey a room like within like right when you like, started? Like I know that this isn't working. I, I actually thought it was. But all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, uh, um, 
it's one of those things I, I, I use laughter as a gauge. Um, and uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, please, you're making it so easy. All right, um, I'm sorry. That was mean. No. Uh, yes, you do. I mean, you, you definitely get a, an energy. And, and even, uh, even if, if it's two-thirds of the room is dark, you still can sense it. Even if you can't see anything, you just sort of know. The, sometimes laughter is different. Sometimes it's like staccato and it stops and it never really gets going. Sometimes it's just constant and, you know, uh, and then you also know if you've struck a nerve, uh, which is one of the most exciting moments. Because then you get a little sweaty, you get a little third out-of-body experience, and you start floating around the room, and you're like, well, but you're still talking and doing your bit because you've got it memorized. But then you're surveying the situation and flying around the room going, that lady hates me. And um, that's kind of fun. So. Is there any topic that you consider kind of off-limits or that you avoid, or is anything uh, cereals, a Yes, cereal from uh, 1972 to 1982. I will not talk about Honey Bunches of Oats. There's tons of stuff. I, I, I think that's, uh, I think it's an absurd, self-inflicted rule, but it's a rule that I stick to. And, uh, I respect that. And I'm, I'm upset with my sense of draconian uh, judgment on this, but I absolutely will not talk about it. Uh, uh, I thought I made that clear to you in the green room. <laughs> No, I'll talk about anything. You actually taught, you, you said no questions about applesauce. I wasn't aware that it extended to cereal. Sorry. Um, I'm going to roll right over that. And uh, uh, there is actually one, there is a subject matter I won't talk about. And that is, uh, to, to an extent, and that is my family, uh, which I would love to talk about. But, you know, uh, it's too personal. It's not, uh, it's not my business to tell strangers how fucked up my family is. Uh, I mean... <sighs> there's so many unbelievable stories, jaw-dropping stories that I, I would love to share, but um, I can't currently. Healthcare. Remember? Remember what was going to happen. All right. Death panels. Okay. You're certainly. Um, yeah, but that's pretty much uh, uh, the, the one thing I kind of stay away from, even though I've... I've done it in the past, and it's hurt feelings, so I sort of don't do it anymore. Try not to. Although there was a... It, I opened with a bit about that... A true thing that my mom said to me. That'll be... It's not in the special, but she called me, like, literally two weeks before I went on the road and was very excited to tell me how she was making her own bread and making her own... Uh, uh, making her own bread, making her own granola, and making her own yogurt. And I asked her, the bread and the granola I can get. But I was like, oh, how do you make your own yogurt? And she, she answered, well, first I go to the store and I get some yogurt. <laughs> and there's more, but that's the crux of <laughs> the beginning of a ridiculous bit uh, that my mom actually said. She makes her own yogurt by going to the store and getting yogurt. That's how she makes her own yogurt. Yeah. Teach his own, right? I, I, teach. So I built my own car, in theory. Um, anyway. Yes. So what comedians um, do you consider your inspiration? Um, inspiration, I'd say uh, Richard Pryor, Bill Hicks, George Carlin. Um, I was 
my influences were different, but those are guys are my inspiration. I, I was very influenced by Andy Kaufman in the beginning. I, my, my act doesn't resemble that in any way now, but uh, Andy Kaufman, Stephen Wright, um, uh, Jonathan Winters, um, uh, Steve Martin, um, Richard Pryor, and uh, Franklin Ajay, actually, if anybody remembers. Um, and uh, I guess Minnie Pearl, to a, uh, sartorially. Um, and uh, Bain, Big Dean Grimshaw, the trucker comedian. Photo, a nice photo there for the special. Well, it was, it's not up there now. It was before. All right. <laughs> you gestured, though, so. What was it? Right there. Oh, oh yeah, that's the album cover. Yeah, it's, uh, it was supposed to be. Here's another bummer. I, so I talked to Sub Pop, and uh, Sub Pop's releasing the DVD and the CD, and, uh, and this is actually my girlfriend's idea, and she goes, hey, what if you got, like, a velvet painting? And I was like, that's great. And uh, so I called up Sub Pop, and I, uh, and I said, hey, man, what if we get uh, a velvet painting? We'll commission a velvet painting, whoever does that stuff, you know, the Elvis mm -hmm. thing. And uh, that's great. And uh, we can maybe even make the, um, the cover out of it, that flocked material, whatever you call that. Yeah, that's awesome. And then uh, about five or six days ago, uh, I got all the the uh, specs or whatever they send you what it's going to look like and if you have to make any changes that's a and I go hey I thought we were going to do the flock thing and they're like uh, oh no that that costs too much but now it now it does it just looks like a flat shiny I might have come up with something different like it doesn't look as cool like if it was a real velvet thing it'd be kind of neat but now it's not as neat they just yeah, went ahead and they so never even told me that they're like nah nah we blew it off. So it's a little disappointing because it was supposed to be you'd have it and it would feel like that thing. How fucking expensive? How expensive could it be? Who knows? You're a uh, you work for a newspaper. Well, don't ask us. We're <laughs> yeah, no, you guys. All you guys know about is like you know what are the top tomatoes and you know stuff like that. And the weather map. Don't forget yeah, yeah. that. No, I know. And before anyone in the audience asks you, I do have to ask you: What's the, the, how many? How sick are you of being asked about the Arrested Development movie? On a scale of, of one to ten. Oh, I guess like a hundred. Yeah. Um, I, you know, what I'm saying now, I've just started saying it, is there's no way it's going to happen. I used to say, I don't know, I know as much as you do. Uh, I know a script was commissioned that was due almost a year ago in two months. Uh, there is no script. I, I, my educated guess is because of all the people involved, it's just never going to come together, and it's just too late. Yeah. It's too, it, too much time has passed. Unfortunately, everybody would have loved to have done it, believe me. Uh, and, you know, I mean, Michael Sarah's 32 years old now. <laughs> and what are you going to do? I mean, you know, it's just not going to work. And um, I just don't see how it's going to come together with all the different people and elements and everything. And, uh, I, too much time has passed. Well, if it were to come together, what would you want the analropist to do? What would um, the storyline to be? Honestly, I, anything that where I get to wear comfortable clothing and lounge around and I'm not covered in some sort of goo. Uh, here's another thing. I, <laughs> Mitch Hurwitz and Will Arnett uh, and Jim Vallely, one of Mitch's writing partners, uh, wrote 
a very, 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 very funny script uh, pilot for Fox. And I'm going to do a bit part in that. Uh, and, and I was like, yeah, of course. And Will's doing my show in England and, uh, you know, doing like, you know, a good chunk of it. And we're, no one's getting any money. And, uh, and it was, so, you know, how could I say no? I mean, plus I'd want to do it anyway. It's Mitch and Will. And, uh, um, and then I get the script and the guy... <laughs> I get the script. It's not even a big part. It's it's sort of threaded through just a couple times, but outside of one scene, I'm covered in oil. The rest of the fucking movie, I mean, TV show, I'm covered in oil. I, you know, they're laughing writing that. Just covered in uncomfortable. Well, yeah. Oh well. What can you do? Oh, and and let's talk about Todd Margaret. How's that going? It's good. I, I go back uh, on Saturday. Mm -hmm. We've the scripts are written. Uh, the real I'm really really psyched about it. Really proud of it. It's very funny. Um, it's uh, uh, it's going to air here in the states in October on IFC, and then. Uh, but if you'd like to see it sooner, I think it'll be on two days sooner in London. So if you want to fly to London, uh, I guess it'll be on Wednesday. Then you can see it before everybody sees it here. Um, and then fly back and see it again. Um, and maybe it'll be on the plane also. So you I was actually going to say Virgin America does offer yeah. like TV, so, you know. Um, it's, it's good. It's really, uh, it's coming together. And um, we start shooting in uh, mid-May. Mm -hmm. And I'm psyched. It's, it's really, really pretty funny. And, uh, and every episode takes place the next day. So it's, it's very interesting how everything piles up because uh, no time passes. Um, the end. The end. <laughs> well, let's roll the clips, the other clips from the special. You know, I do admire, though, the junkies' sense of balance. Uh, it's phenomenal. It's almost superhuman. Uh, I don't know what the chemical component in her heroin is that makes you, use you with super balance, but I've seen these guys in the craziest positions I can't even imitate now sober. I can't, I mean, you know, you just see them, like, with this crazy, like, hanging out for half an hour when I can't, you know, and like uh, Chinese acrobats are walking by crying like, someday, someday I'll, Jesus Christ. Is that, is oh that necessary? Is that, that is, all right. Well? That, that was from a much lengthier bit about uh, junkies. That's just about, that's the tail end. Um, all right, that is it for tonight. No? I guess. <laughs> nope. Here we are. We're back again. And now, right. do you guys have questions? Yes, ma'am. Do you think you'll yeah. ever do a sketch show again? I would love to. Uh, I would love to. Reserve for the media. Nope. Um, I, uh, Bob and I have talked about, uh, I'll try to make this uh, as, as succinct as possible, but we had done a show, worked on a show together for HBO, uh, did a pilot. It, uh, it felt really good. We all had a great time. We felt really good about it. But then when we were cutting it together, we couldn't take what the energy and how all the cool stuff and make it translate to watching it on TV. And then we realized through the editing process, the stuff that was working the best that we were both satisfied with were the more sketchier parts of it. And then we talked about and went to HBO and go, listen, um, I know you just gave us $400,000, but this didn't work. Um, but here's what will work. Um, can we do 
uh, a sketch show, and we had this idea. We talked about it, and basically, like a, a kind of Mr. Show 2.0 in a way. But it would we had different rules to it, and it wouldn't be shot like we wouldn't come out as sort of heightened characters or whatever. Uh, we had this whole idea, and they said, oh, that's great, but we don't have any more money in our uh, fiscal year to give you. Um, and that was two years ago, and they still haven't. They, they were like, we'll give you a call. We'll give you a shout when we get the money. And uh, that hasn't happened. But Bob and I have talked about how we would love to do that. I don't think I'd do one without Bob, though, in that capacity. It would just feel weird. And uh, But the problem is also he's on the West Coast, I'm on the East Coast. Um, and you know about the whole feud. It's still going on. Um, and, uh, but, you know, maybe, maybe someday. We both definitely would like to. And, and I just went, I was back in L.A., uh, when was it? Not too long ago, um, I guess uh, maybe in the, the last fall or something. And we, I helped him uh, with giving him notes on this show that he was developing with uh, another guy, Tom Giannis. And uh, just even that, like, four or five hours of talking and giving notes and kind of developing this show idea that was pretty fully developed by him already, but was already, that was fun. And we were just cracking each other up and coming up with great ideas and how much fun this thing would be and, you know, writing for each other. And, uh, and we both do definitely miss that and uh, have, would love to do it again. <laughs> one, one guy. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, so which do you prefer more? Do you prefer more the stand-up or do you prefer more like the character creation? Because, I mean, you're just brilliant at creating characters like Tobias and Ronnie. and Like, which would you rather be doing? Um, you know, that I, I, this is going to sound rude, and I don't mean it to sound rude. Uh, but I've, and I get that question a lot in various forms, you know. Uh, would you rather do stand-up or would you rather do uh, sketch comedy or something or that kind of a variation and um, I, I there it's all fun. It's all I wouldn't do any of it if it wasn't fun uh, Unless there's like a lot of money involved in and like uh, CGI rodents, uh, but I They're both so different and they satisfy different things and uh, you know one one, there, there's more ego involved because it's a monologue and you have all the attention of everybody and they've, you know, you get to, it's all your opinion and stuff. And then the other is kind of playing around. You have people to, different actors to bounce off of. And that's really fun. And they're just two very different things. And I, I like them both a lot. Um, uh, yes. Well, are you going to go back on the road anytime soon? You know, it won't be soon because... Uh, one, I, the downside, or, or uh, there's lots of downsides, I suppose, but uh, one of the downsides of not being very disciplined and not being able to sit down and write stand-up is, unless it occurs to me, uh, I, don't, I don't have any material. And, uh, and when I'm writing, I really do focus um, on the, the project at hand. So... Uh, and not to sound like corny and ethereal and artsy, but like when I'm doing the Todd Margaret stuff, I'm thinking in the guise of a writer producer for that show. And I've been spending months walking around either New York or London or whatever and thinking, oh, this would be a good bit. Or that thing that I'm seeing, I'm filtering it through a um, uh, 
Todd Margaret writer producer way as opposed to stand up. And when I'm doing stand up, when I'm out on the road, everything, uh, everything that I'm seeing is occurring to me like, oh, well, how can I do? Not that I say these words to myself, but it's like, how can I? Where's the bit in that? You know, and uh, and I just have not thought about stand up at all for since I got off the road. And definitely want to go back out. It was so much fun. It was so much fun. Gotta, I forgot. It's going to be so exhilarating to have, I mean, to it's, basically have this whole, yeah. And you know what the difference was? Not the difference, but a difference was this time, I've never done theaters before. And I'd done music clubs and I'd done comedy clubs and, uh, and I've done a bunch of different tours uh, of that kind of nature. And happily, I was glad I did them, but it's way more relaxed. Uh, doing a theater is just, you know, the energy's different. There's more focus. I, and I'm, you know, the, I, I love doing the clubs. There's a different kind of energy that's fun. But as far as touring, doing 28 shows or whatever it was, uh, yeah, that, that made a big difference. Sort of getting on the bus with uh, the other guys, having a bus driver, you go, you drive, and uh, you, everything's taken care of at the theater. And it's, it was pretty cool. I didn't have to do anything on my own, pretty much. And it made it, you know, I'm 45. Oh, no, I'm 46. 46. And that, uh, you know, it's, I'm, in my mind, I'm 17, uh, which still allows me to do coke. Um, but I'm physically 46 years old now. So what I'm saying is I'm, I'm dying. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I'm going to stick to theaters. But I definitely want to do that again. It was it was really really fun, and I I also learned a very uh, valuable trait which I wasn't very good at for a long time, which is meeting fans and hanging out. And uh, I was always a little um, uncomfortable, and that would manifest itself in different ways. And uh, and this kind of taught me just to chill out and not be so, uh, you know, weirded out or whatever, the th uh, you know, self-conscious or... We have good. a question over here to your left. Oh. Left, over here. Hi. <laughs> so I downloaded your last book off of uh, iTunes. Oh. My question is, what do you have against people that listen to books I know. on tape? I know. I don't... <laughs> I... I honestly didn't think it was uh i've gotten a lot of shit for that and i have to go back and listen to it because apparently i did a very good job at making people believe i was very upset but i'm not a, i'm not i'm kidding i'm not really that upset it was just a, a running joke thing uh but i have to listen to it because i mean literally like hundreds of people are like you know i think that's really and really took it personally like very, really upset as if i'd uh in that moment kind of come through the speakers and appear to them as like a uh, Princess Leia image, you know, going, uh, what the fuck's wrong with you? Buy the book! You know, and then uh, it, I, it was just a goof that uh, um, I didn't think it was going to be that big a deal. <laughs> Do you ever listen to books on tape? Um, yeah, actually, I, I uh, listened to... Um, who was the ex-treasurer, uh, secretary of the treasury in, um, under the first Bush administration? His book about, he was the Alcoa president, and uh, he did a big mea culpa. Um, and that was interesting to listen to because he's reading, uh, he's relating these events, these dramatic uh, events that, are, uh, that really occurred. And I, I found that 
a really cool way to uh, get that information and listen to it. I don't know, um, and I, you know, obviously, I know people travel a lot, and uh, you know, it's good to stick in the car and stuff like that. But uh, uh, I really don't have anything truly against it. You know. Uh, yes. Oh, right. <laughs> Anxiously awaiting your reply. Love, David. Hi. Hi. <laughs> nice to meet you. Well, <laughs> nice. from like a couple rows back. Yeah. Um, right. yeah. Um, I just wanted to know if there was like a defining moment in your life where you knew that you wanted to be a comedian. I mean, like, do you just like, wake up one day and you're like, I'm going to be a comedian today? Uh, I think it was the third time I did the Jimmy Kimmel show. And <laughs> no. Uh, I, I, I always was into comedy. I think a lot of, uh, uh, I moved around a lot constantly when I was a little kid, and I was always the new kid, and for whatever reason, um, I, I was the, the funny one, and, and that very cliche thing about it's a defense mechanism uh, uh, is true, and it applied. I was, if you could make people laugh, they'd kind of like you, and, and then... So I developed that by the time I moved back to Atlanta, uh, and, I, and I lived in the suburbs, and, and really comedy was a refuge for me and my nerd friends in the way that, you know, Dungeons and Dragons and metal is for some people and goth is for some people. Like, I was one of the comedy nerds, and we would quote Monty Python and, uh, you know, uh, all that kind of stuff, and we'd go to see comedy movies, a Naked Gun, and quote that stuff, and, uh, um, or not Naked, Airplane, whatever, you know, and, uh, um, and, and, and then when I, I thought, and, and I had a lot of stand-up albums as well, and, uh, as I sort of developed that and thought about it, I went to, a open mic night at the Punchline in Sandy Springs, Georgia, which is a suburb of Atlanta. And um, the guys, I remember one of the acts was a guy named, I believe his name was Trip Wingfield, and he brought a toilet uh, seat up on stage, and he demonstrated the different ways that people wipe their ass. And the audience loved it, and I remember very... I remember this, and I remember going, no, I'd already made up my mind pretty much, but I was like, okay, I'm funnier than that guy. <laughs> and, uh, and then signed up and did uh, my first open mic night, like uh, a little later after that, a couple weeks later. And um, uh, yeah, and then started doing, well, it was like 17, uh, started doing this. And the very first time I ever did stand up, it was, uh, absurdly well-received to the point where, where I said, I have to go, the red light's on, and people are like, no, don't! It was like a bad... You, if you saw it, you wouldn't believe it, believe it in a movie. It was ridiculous. And then the next 18, 19, 20, 21 times, I bombed miserably. Same material. I didn't understand what was happening. Uh, blamed the audience. Like, this it worked last week. What the fuck's wrong with you? you know, and uh, uh, I can't tell you what the difference was, but uh, it was... It was bizarre, but I, I stuck, you know, I stuck with it, and uh, I'm hoping to, you know, keep my feet on the ground, keep reaching for the stars. <laughs> that's, my, that's my credo. I have that tattooed, uh, half of it's on my taint, and half of it's in here. 
True. Trip Wingfield was my dad. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> he did that. I, I he really did. Like he really brought did. the toilet seat up and did. Uh, um, I hope he's the guy. I know there were a bunch of kind of regulars at the open mic night in uh, Atlanta that were just awful Southern, you know, good old boy stuff, and uh, oof, it was bad. And I then I went up and made fun of their Jesus. <laughs> it was a good idea. We have another one right here in the middle. Hello. Hello. Um, yeah, this will be a kind of a scattered question. It's very far flung. But I wanted to ask about how the Todd Margaret process has been um, as far as you know, wearing these different hats, writer, producer, actor, um, working with people you have a long and storied history with, like Will, and then you know, new but awesome people like Russell Tovey, who you know, have their own fan base. And then um, also wanted to know uh, what you know, led you to conceive of this and, uh, you know, work on something, you know, across the pond? And do you ever feel like you're tailoring the show to perhaps a different comic sensibility, like a British comedic sensibility? Um, uh, first, as I answer that... Uh, Very long question, um, I'm sorry. Well, it was, it was long because there was like six questions. <laughs> yes. Um, but... Uh, uh, you you said across the pond, and a lot of people say that, but it's actually the Atlantic Ocean. And I, I tell people that in London all the time. They seem to think it's a pond as well. And uh, all right, blah, blah, that's a terrible joke. All right. Um, uh, the way the show came about was I was in London doing stand-up there. And I was at, I had a two-week uh, residency at this, this music club there. And uh, these people from... RDF Media, who that is the production company I'm now working with. Uh, it was this one woman's idea, uh, and you know, she's very soft-spoken, and uh, she's like, "Hello, and very posh." And um, we we're wondering if you had if you had any desire to work with a UK writer and uh, and perhaps uh, create a show for, you know, and uh, I was like, huh, well, yeah, okay, and I took her card, whatever, thank you, and um, it didn't, it didn't really pay much attention to her, I thought it was just a bunch of bullshit, and then, um, and then I met with them, and uh, we just talked, I, I had this idea that I had pitched to HBO, um, that sort of morphed into Todd Margaret, now, now retains zero of, of what it is now, but, um, I kind of had this idea, uh, and then and then made it f made it uh, fit into the the idea of a a guy coming to London who's never been uh, outside of the country, and um, and that's the only way it's kind of tailored for a British audience. But there are uh, I don't do anything in in um, trying to presume a sensibility. I mean, I'm writing for uh, what I think is funny. I think a lot of British comedy is funny. My stand-up does well there. Uh, so I assume the, the tone and the mentality of the piece is going to translate. The only thing that uh, sometimes we have to do is, and I work with an English writer named Sean Pye, who's really great. Um, and sometimes we'll have to, uh, Sean will say, you know, that we wouldn't do that in England or even, something might not work because a person wouldn't react that way or they wouldn't do that thing or they wouldn't say that thing and and occasionally he'll come up with an idea and I go oh an american wouldn't do that um but outside of that and those are pretty few and far between um 
there's really no tailoring for in uh, the specific audience outside of like uh, you know as I said language or a, a product or something and uh, um, and I, unfortunately we lost Russell um, because he. It took so long to get an answer and get this thing going that he's, uh, you know, he's a regular on being human. They're going to start shooting their fourth season. They shoot in Wales, and we tried to work it out, and he was bummed out, and we were bummed out, bummed out. But we got uh, a really good, different Dave, and it's uh, completely different, different actor. We went through a lot of uh, auditions, and this guy will be really cool, I think. It, much different than Russell, but good. Um, and... Uh, and Sharon Horgan's back. Everybody else is back. We got Spike, uh, Amber, Sharon Horgan, this guy Charlie Baker. Uh, Baker or Barker? I don't know. Somebody Google. Um, and, uh, and Will, of course. It, it's going to be good. The, the scripts are, I'm really happy with them. They're pretty crazy. We have time for two more questions. And actually, I think she asked about working with Will again, if you want to address that. Okay, all right. Uh, no, I'm psyched. Um, I'm psyched, uh, and I, I told Will, I'm really, I'm really jealous of like Will and Day and, and Charlie and Spike because they're. I love Todd Margaret's fun to play, but it, there's kind of a, a straight man quality, like feeding a lot of the, the opportunities. Uh, not all the time, but um, man, I would love to play Will's character. He's just such a awful, unrepentant, slimy asshole. The character is just. Awful. Some of the some of the stuff he gets to say is just the meanest, vilest, sexist. Ugh, really good. I there's one line I wrote about where he, a woman rejects him, and he he says something like, "I'll tone it down," but um, something about how her bush smells like Chinatown during a heat wave, and but he says that to her in a hotel lobby, and like, man, how much fun would that be to say, you know? Eh, whatever. Uh, yes. Hello, David. Hello. Can we expect you to uh, physically ream Larry the Cable Guy as you have verbally in the near future? Um, yeah, but that, but not in a uh, a, a gross way. I mean, we'll, it will be in an intellectual way. It'll be. I mean, physically, yes. It'll be soft. It'll be. Uh, uh, I think well lubricated. It'll be. Uh, it's not going to be ugly and cheap. It'll be. Uh, you know, I hope that there's an emotional connection is made. As I well. hope so too. Um, no, I mean that thing is that that sort of that's been done for a while. Although I, I mean I did put it in the book, I guess, but it's uh, the the exchanges stopped. You know, years ago. So he doesn't call. He doesn't. He doesn't write me. He doesn't. I. I. Right, sorry. And I think you had a question, right? In the yellow. Yes, sir. Uh, no, no, that was the uh, question was about um, the character Donnie I did on Just Shoot Me. Uh, I think it was 22 years ago. Uh, um, yeah, it's going way back, huh? Um, that I mean, I I acted it that way, and that was my thing. But the it was written as he's pretending to be, you know, uh, mentally 
or whatever. And the, the sing-songy shit, that was mine. But, the, I mean, they, they came up with the idea. It wasn't like they had the character and I said, hey, what if I pretended to be retarded? You know. Um, uh, all right. That's pretty good, right? Yeah. We did a Thanks, good job, guys. everybody. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, one more time, David Cross, comedian and actor. Thank you very much. Before you leave, we have one more clip to show you, so please remain seated. We have one final clip to show you. Good evening. Next time you're at dinner and the waitress comes over and asks you a question, preface your answer with a very quick, yeah, bitch. <laughs> And you have to be super nice. And uh, if you get to four, that's one better than we got to. <laughs> and if you get caught, you gotta tip like a motherfucker. Know that going in. You gotta tip very heavily. But it's pretty fun. Okay, how you guys doing? Do you want another round? Yeah, but can I get another uh, red wine? But uh, I like the Merlot, but I wanna try the Cabernet. That's good? You guys done? You want to see a dessert menu? Yeah, but she have a cheese uh, <laughs> One more time, guys. David Cross, comedian and actor. Be sure to keep an eye on apple.com forward slash Soho for all our upcoming events. This Friday, we have the Lazy Environmentalist. And of course, Meet the Filmmaker. Tonight will be available on the Meet the Filmmaker podcast series. Thank you very much, guys. Have a good night and get home safe. <laughs>